there. Yeah, doesn't he have like an incredibly long wingspan for his body type? Six eight or six nine? Just the the, the wingspan's humongous for him. I'm almost positive that's true. He has a six eleven wingspan. Booyah! Today's show is brought to you by LootCrate.com. Save ten percent on any new subscription at www.trylootcrate.com slash holybackboard. Enter promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's way away the time. Baby, Ritz City's jumping now. Okay, Brandel up the middle. Hey! Oh, Come on, everybody. All right, everybody, welcome to the 73rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Say chillin', man. Just just finished saving the day on 2K with my buddies, so feeling good. Hit the game winner, hit the shot before the game winner, so I'm feeling good about myself. Got high self-esteem right now, so I'm feeling good, ready to talk blazers and depress myself a little bit, but it's all good. I'm I'm ready. This was a roller coaster of a week. Oh, it fucked with my emotions, bro. It shouldn't surprise us because the season has been a roller coaster. I don't know whether the root for wins, whether the root for losses, the team plays well. Are they going to turn the corner? No, they're not. Are they going to tank? No, they're just really bad. Then they get Nurkic. And now all, all signs, you know, it's all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns in the Rose City. And then Friday fucking afternoon hit. I get a text from my coworker Ian. He says, did you, did you see the Nurk news? And it's the crying emoji. And sometimes the crying emoji can be like funny. And I told him the story about Nurk stealing that dude's girl who played with him on 2K just the day before. So I thought maybe it was something to do with that. Nope. Turns out the best center we've had since Arvita Sabonis has a fractured fibula. It's not a complete fracture because he, I guess. They, they're saying he injured it in the Denver game, Sage. Say word? Oh, I totally assumed it was the Rockets game because he was gimpy a few plays. So they say he injured it in the Denver game where he had 33 and 15. But that was just adrenaline and hate pumping in his veins right there. But he there. came back two nights later against the Rockets and had 19 and 11 and three blocks on, in 32 minutes. So it gives me a little hope that he was able to do that on this injury. But that hope is probably like 5% of of a pie. The other 95% feels really rotten right now because, mm. and I'll say this for a few reasons. One, it happened at the worst possible time. He is out for the regular season. Um, he's not going to return in two weeks. He's going to be re-evaluated in two and weeks. And that so does not mean he is coming back. Just look exactly. at um, Most of the players that have had a similar type of injury that, I, that I've read about, um, it's been about five to six weeks. We're playing the Warriors if we do make the playoffs in round one. Likely not going to get to that duration. So barring a minor miracle, Yusuf Nurkic, his 2017 uh, season with the Blazers is over. And why I say this is the worst possible time, Portland was on a six-game win streak, Sage. They looked great, and they were playing with so much passion and pride. and It got me thinking. Was Nurk the most valuable player on our team? Because if Dame gets hurt, CJ can pick up some of the slack. If uh, CJ gets hurt, Dame can pick up the slack. We're not getting any. We're not getting real production from our center spot right now. Is Nurk the most valuable player on our team? I mean, he might be. We're, we're thirteen and three in the month of March. I mean, it earned Terry Stotts Coach of the the Month honors for the fourth month in his career. I believe that passed. Rick Adelman and Nate McMillan for most all time as a Trailblazers coach. It certainly helped Damian Lillard earn player of the month for the first time in his career. Um, Dame's numbers were, you know, through the roof. Uh, 29 points, six assists, four and a half uh, boards per game. He had eight 30 point games, uh, the most in franchise history. So there is a, a really good case that Nurk is the most valuable player. He might not be the best player, but he's definitely the most valuable player because, as you mentioned, Damon and CJ are somewhat interchangeable. And then you've got Alan Crabb, who is shooting the highest three-point percentage of any trailblazer of all time that could easily step right in. And they, I think they could fill in for a month, maybe a month and yeah, a half. Yeah, it would be more seamless than us having th- three, two, 
two bigs, three bigs. I mean, I think we have two. We have two big Sage. We have no Von and Myers Leonard. That's what hurts is we don't have Mason Plumley. We don't have Ed Davis. We don't have Festus Azili. So by default and by play, I think it's safe to say Nurkic is one of the most valuable players in the entire league. If yeah. you're actually using the word value in that in that phrase, mm-hmm. um, oh, he's also really fucking good too. Um, and just look at the bigs that we happen to be playing in the next. I mean, the, the last. Uh, six five games, games, five games. Five games. It's Gobert twice, Cat one more time, Aldridge or whoever the Spurs throw out, and then Boogie and Anthony Davis. It's not like this is the most opportune time for this to happen just for opponents that we're facing. Can I tell you my worst fear? What's that? Blazers keep losing. Pelicans keep winning. Last game of the year. It decides who's going to the playoffs. And you know who's going to look like a humongous dick that day? Me. And that's that's tough, though. You guys have to win out. Oh, yeah. But. And I think we'd have to lose out for that to happen. I'm just saying it on this podcast. If this happens, I'm not the dick. But, I mean, you talk about going up against Towns and Gobert and, and Cousins. The Nurk effect is real. I mean, mm-hmm. we handled this team a couple of Saturdays ago. Towns was a non-factor. 16 points and 5 rebounds. Fast forward to um, tonight, 34 and 12. We we couldn't do a damn thing on him. Whether it was Myers, whether it was Aminu. Um, he, he, he looked like that number one pick. And that's because Nurkic wasn't there to disrupt his flow. Um, there was a few plays that we, as soon as he dri- did a dribble move, we sent the fucking fast and harsh double at him, and then like the, it resulted in block shots, miss shots, and then when Cat got comfortable, not even a hard blitz on him would have affected it. So he just got he just got in that rhythm that NBA players do when you can't miss, and the Blazers couldn't really do anything about it since they just don't have the bodies. Yeah, Portland, I guess it makes only sense to go in reverse order this week because of the news uh, yeah. of Yusuf Nurkic getting hurt. Uh, they drop a, a makeup game. This game was originally supposed to be played in March. Um, it was supposed to be the first night of a back-to-back against the, the Thunder the following night. Um, as we know, Portland beat the Thunder the following night. But due to Disney on ice, there was a lot of condensation. They moved this game to... April 3rd, which is traditionally an off day for all NBA teams due to the, the national championship and college basketball. And but o- it was, is it opening day today always? or um, I don't think it has anything to do with the baseball. They always try to give the college game that one night. Yeah, word. So Portland drops a, a heartbreaker, 110-109. Lillard had about as good of a look as you would like, 15 feet over Rubio. Literally thought it was going in from my vantage point on the couch. It just rolled out. Um, Portland had a sizable lead. It was 12, but the Wolves got to the line and they got to the line often. They scored 16 of 16 opportunities at the charity stripe in the third quarter, which really was a catalyst for their 37 to 26 advantage in that quarter. Um, It really set it up because in the second quarter, Portland was plus 14 and they were rolling. Um, but then once you get a team that can score with the clock stopped, they get you in foul trouble, and we just have no bigs, so it, we're trying to scrap for those rebounds. So, you know, there are going to be some more fouls um, whistled on that end. They were, you know, pretty aggressive as they were the larger team. And honestly, Portland's not going to win many nights when, when Dame and CJ combined to shoot 12 of 35, for, combined for 42 points. That's not going to get it done, and it's sad because we wasted a, a really st- – Decent effort from Crab, 5 of 11, 12 points. An amazing effort from Aminu, 20 points, 7 boards, 5 assists, 3 blocks. And then we even got 19 or 29 combined from Mo Harkless and Noah Von Ley, and they shot the shit out of the basketball, 11 of 15 uh, combined for 12 boards, 3 blocks. So our front court, the 3 and the 4, they got it done. Our bench got it done. But it's it's tough when you rely on Damon CJ, especially with Nurk out, Nurkic out, and they couldn't. They couldn't find it, but um, I think it's going to be a, an awakening to Blazer fans who were used to seeing this team with Nurkic. Um, this is the, this was the Blazers pre-Nurk. Even with Mason Plumley, we don't win this game. Um, so this is who we are now. Just because we had won, 
you know, 13 of 16 in March, I don't think we automatically continue that level of play. It's just amazing how much of an impact Yusuf had on this team. I don't know if he just gave the team so much more confidence, but I think it's really the ability to have a low post score, the ability to run um, a pick and roll that the defense really has to pay attention to. They have to keep an eye on either Dame, CJ, or Nurk as the role man. And he's actually a pretty good defender. I don't think he gets as much credit for that as um, his off. Yeah, on his as his offensive game, um, and he just gobbles up the boards. Like, and he can pass the ball. So he really does a lot of fucking things for a 22 year old basketball player, which is which is why like let's just get him healthy. Let's not worry about the postseason. Let's not worry about the Warriors or let's let's not even worry about getting there. Sage, like this is our ticket. Like Portland wants to get out of mediocrity. It's not going to come via a draft pick right now. It's Yusuf Nurkic is that dude. Um, so let's keep him safe. Let's put some bubble wrap around him because we all know, you know, we can knock on all the wood we want. Portland and centers don't have the best history together. I was talking with a friend of the show, Tara, and she was talking about how this is really the first time she's seen a pick and roll really work in the last few years of being a Blazer fan. It's like, Damn, we are re- we were really missing out on a, a play that sixty percent of te- like all teams run sixty percent of the time. So just having that threat, having being able to have a guy that can cut to the hoop, being able to pass on the run to open sh- spot up shooters, it's just so huge. And without that, it's just like we're playing hampered because we can't run the same play that every other team runs to perfection. I mean. Watch the Clippers run the pick and roll. Every team runs this one play, and we couldn't do it because of, you know, the the the, the archetype that our big was. And I'm trying to think back. You know, even to Duckworth, that was more of a pick and pop. Buck Williams was never much of an of an offensive threat. Uh, Sheed, we ran a bit, but again, he towards the end of his Blazer career was more of the pick and pop as well. Sabas was just too old to really maneuver too much, so he would actually initiate the offense from the top of the key, or you'd post him up and let him go to work, similar to Rashid. LaMarcus was nothing but pick and pop. Um, trying to think if we did much with Zebo, but I think we kind of just dumped it down to Zebo and watched him work. So I honestly... JJ Hickson? We sort of ran it with JJ. Like, that I was, guess, but that JJ was, Hickson's not going to... He's not going to light the world on fire. So like we have not... We've I mean, really never seen it. Yeah, so welcome to what... The rest of the NBA runs damn near all the time. <laughs> and the first time they had to play without Nurkic, Portland um, took, on, play the Suns. took on the Phoenix Suns this past Saturday. Um, I was watching the Duck game at, at the sports bar with Olga and had the. I was recording the game, but also was following on my phone. Um, saw we jumped out 50 to 25. I get home. It's like 99, 95. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Thankfully, we caught fire. I think we went on a 14-0 run and ended up running away with it, 130 to 117. I rewatched the game um, the next morning, and it, it just looked like we got completely disinterested after going up 50 to 25. And Dude, just, and the, the Suns were disinterested while they were getting dismantled. Man, I, I was watching and I was like, "Damn, Devin Booker is a fucking bog." Yeah, he, and he was really out for me that entire game. When Marquise Chris and TJ Warren were just playing really well. I mean, that yeah, dude and, is a ball hog. Well, of course. How do you think he got 70 points? I mean, he's a great scorer, but he definitely has a lot of Kobe and the wrong kind of Kobe in his game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to start learning how to win a bit. I know the Suns have packed it in, but people are pretty high on Booker. I know he's, he's a nice young two guard, but... I'm always leery of players who put up big numbers on shitty teams. The Mike James effect. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love Booker on my team, but you're right. Fuck. He was, uh, he was definitely, he was definitely um, looking for number one. Uh, me, myself, I in, in that game, and back to Portland, we were really just kind of stunting on him. 
Mm-hmm. CJ was throwing no look passes. He almost baptized Booker real quick. That would put got it. like a, a, a like a, a dunk. He only, he tried to dunk it three times that game, right? Yeah, he he almost put an end to that that mini beef that he and he and Booker have been having this entire season. Um, but you, when he you like that mini beef that they've been, having? I love beef yeah. in the NBA. There's not enough of it. I loved it when it was Dame and D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I just think everyone's too buddy buddy. I mean, yeah, I like, guess. When I realized it was all buddy buddy is like a real throwback. Uh, I was watching Cribs and it was Chris Paul's crib, and he was talking about how like he would have opposing teams like spend the night at his crib. That is where I just draw the line. Yo, you should not have be having slumber parties right before you play a, a professional game against each other. Well, it's like afterwards if you want to kick it, that's cool. But on the court, like. I want to see dudes just ride for their team, like the front of the jersey. Um, I'm not saying everything has to be 80s Lakers Celtics where, you know, Kurt Rambis is getting clotheslined by Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. But at the same time, I want to see like a game where Nurkic is going up against the Nuggets and he is, he, you know, he wished them a happy summer and, and they're pissed off about it. Like, I want to see a, a physical basketball game where they genuinely don't like each other. I just think it makes for a good sport. Um, but the Blazers did a great job of, I think, finishing the job. They started strong. They let up off the gas a whole lot, but Damon CJ shined brightly, 60 points combined, uh, 17 of, you know, 35 shooting, which is just incredible. See, they got it done from a line too, 17 for 17 at the line. And let's talk about Noah Vonley. I think he's quietly assuring himself a spot in the rotation next year. 12, 12 points, 13 boards, uh, 6 of 8 shooting, and, and he did it up against a really nice young big in Marquise Chris, uh, who had a nice game himself, 19 and 13, even showed the range on a triple, showed his athleticism on a couple uh, tip dunks. Uh, but Von Lee's defense is nice. He's getting so much more confident finishing around the rim. I think there are still times that he's having trouble catching the ball, but he's got big oven mitts for hands, so I don't think that's going to be a problem moving forward in his career. Just the confidence that I'm seeing him around the basket is night and day from now, earlier in the season. Like earlier in the season, he might have tried to float it up or lay it in. Now he's he's getting at least two or three dunks a night. Um, so if there's one bright spot that Nurkic, you know, left with with his injury, it's that Von Ley is actually going to get a ton of run. Like he has to get playing time now. Um, he's got to play some five. He's going to get a little bit more shots because you know obviously Nurk's not going to Nurk's shot. Um, I don't know what we're <laughs> thinking about. It's, it's late. The amount of shots that Nurk takes is going to get spread out. And so yeah. obviously a couple are going to fall Von Ley's way. So I'm just excited to see his maturation because I think he's going into a contract year next year. And it's either going to be Portland makes that qualifying offer so they can keep him or they're going to let him go as a, as an unrestricted free agent and, you know, maybe resign him, but hopefully they give next him a qualifying offer. Super for him his career i hope he realizes that this summer he has to be in the gym grinding whatever terry stats tells him to do during the summer to really improve he he absolutely needs to do it for the benefit of his career to get that second contract he just needs to be grinding in the gym all summer so with noah it's 100 percent mental i think he's got all the tools he will go in the gym and he will refine it but he just has to play with confidence and that's how it is with any NBA player. I mean, you look at, at a guy like Myers Leonard, when he's rolling, he's not hesitating on the three. He's letting it fly. He's dunking over dudes. But when he's not mentally right or mentally in a game or he's, he's doubting himself, you see him hesitating. He's second guessing on shots, which more than likely aren't going in. And he's like laying it up around the basket instead of going for that monster dunk. So you can see what just getting to a rhythm having a confidence in yourself and actually producing can really do to a young player. So these next five games, and even if Portland makes the playoffs are crucial for Von Ley, that's what I'm going to be watching out for. Um, because th- there has to be some bright spots. I mean, it's not, it is pretty doom and gloom, but Portland was playing, you know, I know it's a small sample size one month playing at about a 60 win clip for that month of March. Is that, would that carry over for an entire season? Probably not, as we saw last year when we played at a 55-1 pace with Aminu in for Von Ley, and then we tried that similar 
lineup this 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 season and we came out of the gates like we had you know molasses in our shoes so i still think portland needs to make some improvements to the roster probably pare down a couple of players and get more overall talent so you're that nine-man rotation is really solid but this is still easily a 50-win team and that's what they need to build upon because i don't want to go through another season where we you know, we're finishing strong this year, but then we come out slow. Let's let's come out and continually get better through the rest of the year. And I think that's what Damon and CJ should challenge their teammates to do uh, in this offseason because this team is, is too talented. But we've also seen they have a lot of holes. You take away Nurkic. We, we shouldn't be this bad without Nurkic. But the fact of the matter is that we are. You know, with him, I think we're top three or top four team in the West. Uh, you put us in the playoffs I think against anybody but Golden State, and I'll take our chances. Even the Spurs. We saw what we can do down in San Antonio against a fully um, loaded Spurs team, and we, we took it to them. And that was with, with Nurk in the middle. Without him, I just don't think we even make the playoffs. Hmm. It's going to be a difficult, uh, difficult to see how many wins we get, especially against the teams that we're playing against. Yeah, I mean, but... I think the game that surprised me most and really opened my eyes, and I know James Harden was playing with, with a wrist injury, was that Houston game. Houston was a team that, that kicked our ass twice this year. I, I was telling Olga during the game, probably the, the toughest matchup for Portland outside of Golden State. Um, James Harden's a, a menace, but we took it to him, and we kept the lead for the entire game. Something this Blazer team has had a problem with all year playing with a lead. I, I know we let them tie it, but we we ended the game on an um an eight to two run. Or excuse me, um a twelve two run. Yeah. That's that's impressive. That shows not that shows a lot of growth that we were able to one play with the lead, but it also shows we're able to play against adversity. They came, they made a big run, they looked like they had all the momentum, and we answered. Um, I thought the game ball really was Mo Harkless's. Oh, absolutely. Um, played just fantastic defense on James Harden. I know Harden, if you just look at the box score, you're like, what? Dude had 30 points, you know, eight boards, but one, took 30 shots to get those 30 points. Two, Mo kept him off the line. He only went six of seven from the charity stripe. And he and- averages damn near 10 plus a game. So him going under his average is pretty impressive. And finally, three. Four assists. This guy is leading the NBA in assists at over 11 a game, and you hold him to well under half of that. Um, that is the ball game right there. Yeah, Mo Harkless came out, made them play defense on the other end, was just attacking the rim with force, um, just was a monster. So you factor in Mo Harkless, you're getting a, almost basically a 20 and 10 night from Nurk, and then you've got Dame getting 31 and 11 uh, on 10 of 18 shooting. Uh, Aminu, who has been playing just off the charts lately, 15 and 9, 50% shooting. Um, I swear to God, I never know whether it's going to go in or not, but the stats say he shot 40% from three in March, so it went in 40% of the time. But maybe outside of of Harkless, Alan Crabb, that dude has been showing up, and especially on the big stage, 17 points, 7 of 11 from the field, but his defense was insane. He had the two just gimme dat rips on James Harden that one to close it out. This is the AC that, that I want to see. We know he's statistically the best three-point shooter in Trailblazers history for this season. But he has potential to be a lockdown defender with, with those with those crab claws he's got out there. Yeah, doesn't he have like an incredibly long wingspan for his body type? 6'8 or 6'9? Just the, the, the wingspan's humongous for him. I'm almost positive that's true. He has a 6'11 wingspan. Booyah! He's 6'6. So yeah, that's a really nice wingspan. And it's something that we should be utilizing. He, If he wants to play at the end of games, more than likely he's going to have to go up against small forwards mm-hmm. or, or bigger shooting guards because you're going to have Damon CJ always on the court at the end of a game. So he's going to have to play... He's going to have to play small forwards, bigger shooting guards, and get physical with them. But the defense he played, especially without getting a foul called on Harden, which in the regular season, officials love sending James to the foul line. Those were some clean rips, and 
that that's extremely impressive. So I know people keep talking about, oh God, we overpaid Alan Crabb. One tough shit. He is already signed, sealed, and fucking delivered for three more years. So you can just get that shit out of there that he's overpaid. Two, if we weren't going to pay him, somebody else was, as the was Nets. the case with the Brooklyn Nets. Three, Paul Allen wanted him, so I don't care what you fucking think. If the owner wants somebody, he's he's going to keep him. And finally, yes, yes, of course he's overpaid. But to be honest, every player in the NBA is overpaid. They put a basketball in a peach-colored cylinder for a living. And we watch it because we love it. And we talk about it. <sighs> it exactly. So everybody in the NBA is overpaid. I'm just so, so tired. Yes, we gave away a couple of bad deals. Mo Harkless and Alan Crabb were not two of them. Those were those. I will say that for the whole season, those were good deals. I mean, everyone knows my opinion on that. But uh, the one thing I, I, I just, I don't know who the fuck made Eric Gordon slip on a fast break, but whoever it was, brightened my day so fucking much. I think it was Dame on a cross, but I don't remember. I just remember tweeting, yes, he fell. I still have major issues with Eric Gordon that will you, never, never fade. You need to let it go, bro. No, never. He's done. He was never a Hornet. He was never a Pelican. He's the fucking worst. I honestly hope the Rockets get blown out in the first series. It's all on Eric Gordon, and he feels fucking awful about it. Hate to break it to you, bud, but I think the Rockets are probably going to the Western Conference Finals. Oh yeah, they have a lot of weapons, but I hope Eric Gordon just fucking sucks. And Why doesn't is get six man of the year? Is Ryan Anderson severely hurt? I think his ankle. He's been out a long time. Yeah, I just shows how much I watch that team now. But then did you see Sam Decker like fractured his wrist the other night? Jesus. So they're running out of uh, white guys that could shoot three-pointers. I mean, they might need to look at yours truly. I mean, yeah, I mean, as long as I don't have to do work against the Blazers, I'll cut that check. Well, I don't. Uh, uh, that was the last time we play him because we only play him three times. Yeah, unless we, both, unless we see him in the Western Conference Finals. I seriously doubt we will. And if we do... You know, I'm 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 betting against the Rockets because I know you'll be throwing the game actively throwing the game. But as we wrap up this week, it was a, a great week until until that news on Friday hit. It started out so strong. Tuesday, Portland, up until this point, I thought the game of the year. Portland needed that tiebreaker. Um, and we they both need- had we both predicted that it was going to be a loss because the matchup sucked. No, I predicted we beat the Nuggets. Oh, shit. I thought you were talking about the Rockets. Whoa. No. This this Nuggets game was the game of the year. We needed that tiebreaker for the eighth seed. We were rolling with Nurk. It was going to be Nurk versus Plumley, Nurk versus Jokic, Nurk versus the world. And he came out and fucking dominated. 33 and 15, 12 of, 15, 12 of 15 field goals, two blocks, a steal, couple dimes. And to be honest, I think Jokic was a bit scared. He did not want any part of, of Nurk. And Nurk's got, you know, a few few pounds on him. When when we were sending Nurk to the paint, he he wasn't about to he wasn't about that life. He wasn't about standing there taking a charge. I mean, one thing about uh Jokic, offensively he's really really good. Defensively, you need someone to take that pressure off him. So, Nurk being pissed off motivated Hell yeah, he was he was he was scaring Jokic, bro. I mean, Jokic, Jokic had a good game. You know, you look seventeen, eight assists, eight rebounds. That's really strong. But one, why is he shooting six three pointers? Two, he why to see Jokic? He didn't want to see Dirk. Fair enough. And two, why is he only getting fourteen shots? Is that on Mike Malone for not running more plays for him? Is that not on Jameer Nelson for you know calling more plays for him? Or is that just on Jokic for being like, I'm just, I'm a little bit mentally out of this game? Because I think Nurkic was so mentally focused. I know he texted Dame the night before and was like, I just want to do so well. Dame was like, just, you know, calm down, big fella. You're going to do just fine. Um, probably, I think, a combination of all three. Yeah, I think it was all three. Because um, it just really felt like this was 
Nurk's coming out party. I mean, people had seen it before. We saw the Philly game. When but it was against Philly. This it was like against a, Philly. This is a team competing for the playoffs. And, like, the biggest game both teams had in, in their season, this was this was it. This was the... the and to show just how much Nurkic overshadowed everybody, CJ drops 39. I think that's the second most points he's ever scored in a game. He did so on 15 to 24 shooting. Um, it was he, really Nurk and CJ. It was Nurk and CJ, and CJ was filling it up, and we needed him too. I mean, it was a close game for, for a while. Uh, but I think just the storylines, the performance, you get the fans chanting his name at the foul line. He got the Marcus Camby treatment. You know that's got to really feel good to Nurk because oh, I think absolutely. he – he was just calling for the crowd, you know, the entire game, just wanting the feed more. He loves, you know, uh, the praise and, you know, and the adoration that, that the fans give him. And I think on his Instagram story the next day, he's, there's a little note on his car window that says, you know, we love you. I hope you're a blazer forever. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, we actually like our team in Portland Sage. So I just have bad memories of teams I root for. But the best part about that game was the post-game interview. Brooke Olsendam, you know, doing her job, asking her or asking him, you know, about his performance, putting up 33. And he kind of completely dodges the question. It was just like, yeah, I told those guys, you know, have a happy summer. You know was, he wanted to say that. You oh, know, for, you know you're saving that shit. He was saving that. But like, happy summer just sounds so badass. Like in the broken English, it was just fucking fantastic. I definitely took video of it, sent it out um, on Twitter, and you know everybody was was retweeting that. I think Alex Kennedy from uh, Basketball Insiders retweeted it, and it just kind of like caught fire. And then, of course, you know you, you get Bleacher Report and, and all those other um, publications uh, picking up on that that phrase. But I just love that he's he's kind of cocky. He's kind of an asshole. Like he's our asshole. But I'm glad Portland has a little well, bit of we that. Need, we needed a guy that was the asshole. I mean, just think of all the good teams in the NBA. The guy that you hate, but the fans of that team love. You need that yep. guy who's a dickhead, like the, the Pat Beverly's, the Draymond Greens. You need that the Bill, asshole. The, the Bill Lambeers. I mean, Dame is you know, the leader. He he just has the focus. CJ's kind of like the quiet swagger. He's gonna kinda kill you and you're not even gonna know it. But Nurkic Unless you're Devin Booker. But but except if you're Devin Booker, but Nurkic is gonna kill you and tell you about it and then tell your mom and then he's gonna tell your sister and he's gonna tell everybody else about it. Like he wants you to know that you just got dunked on or you just got your shot blocked. He's gonna do them a tumbo finger wag. He's gonna call on the crowd to give you a little bit more and, you know, maybe that's not the most humble approach, but this is sports. I think you need a nice balance of personalities. And I think Nurkic is just enough cockiness for Portland's liking. Yeah. I mean, the fact that people don't want that vibrato and the, the cockiness, it's fucking sport, man. The shit that I've done in my low key basketball career being cocky. Come on. What Nurk does isn't even that bad compared to some people I've seen in Y ball and shit like that. It's not even that bad. I love that he wants the crowd to be involved. I love that he does the the Motumba wag, or when he knocks it off Rashad Holmes to win the game, he lets everybody know it. That shit's dope. And we have our asshole that's actually talented. And I'm glad that Nurk is our asshole, because I don't want Dame or CJ to be that. You don't want your small, talented guy to be the dickhead. You want the big motherfucker that if you really want to fuck with, something could happen. And you don't want that shit to happen if you're most teams. You've got seven feet, 280 pounds of Bosnian beast staring at you. And if, I can't, and if he loses, his dad's going to whoop the shit out of you. I mean, I just can't think of many NBA players who can really go toe-to-toe size-wise with Nurk right now. I mean, the dude, he is he's a beast. Hmm. I mean, you called him the first day. He's a Bosnian bear. I mean, that dude is just a fucking grizzly. Like, I would not want any part of him. I'm glad he is on our side. I am glad that he has made friends with Damon CJ. He can protect our guards. We have some of the smallest guards in the NBA. You think if another player, you know, takes them down hard, they know what they're getting the next time they come down the paint. 
Oh yeah, like I wanted him to screen the shit out of James Harden or screen the shit out of Eric Gordon, which was what I really wanted. But if if you do something, if Devin Booker does something dirty, he is getting something right back at him. And that, I mean, that's how shit was done in the 90s. And I mean, you could still be a force, just do it legitly and legally. So that was nice to get all of the Nurkic love out of the way because unfortunately we don't have him right now and it's kind of soul crushing. Um, Despite winning six straight, that loss, Portland is still not in the clear stage. No. Uh, we are only a game and a half ahead of the Nuggets, two and a half if you factor in that tiebreaker. And both teams have schedules that could go either way. You know, looking at this with the Nurkic lens, I thought Portland would probably win out. Mm. Um, without Nurk, you're looking at the Jazz in Utah who are fighting for their home court lives. You're looking at the Timberwolves in Portland who just had their way with us inside on TNT on Thursday. Uh, you've got the Jazz again on Saturday. And then you've got the Spurs on Monday. You don't know if they're going to play Aldridge. You don't know if they're going to play Kawhi. Will Patty Mills have the game of his life again? You just don't know with a Spurs team in the regular season. And then we're wrapping it up Wednesday, April 12th against the New Orleans Pelicans who I don't know if they're in the playoffs or not, but they don't have a draft pick to play for. So they could probably use this game as more practice with Davis and cousins. Uh, you really don't know what the Blazers are going to be going up against those last two games. So it really makes it imperative that if they want to make the playoffs, they handle business against their divisional foes mm. because the Nuggets have kind of a similar schedule yeah, where they're, they're playing, playing New Orleans twice in the next few weeks. They have six games left and they're, they're playing, I think, just four different teams. Yeah, New Orleans twice. So they've got New Orleans twice. They've got the Thunder twice. They've got the Mavericks. And they've got the Rockets, who they have seen three times in the past, you know, Fucking two weeks. <laughs> but they're playing a Pelicans team that just beat them by 25 points, so they could be looking for revenge. Uh, James Harden rested against the Suns. He could probably rest again. They've got that third seed locked up. And I I know Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are smarter than to play James Harden in a game just to get his MVP stats up. Yeah, they have to be smarter than that. This and he season, has a gimpy wrist. You can't. Exactly. So they're not going to play him just to get stats on a gimpy wrist. I mean, that's just that would be inconceivable. I think they're smarter than that. Um, OKC, again, they're fighting for seeding as well. But we've seen with them, Russ can do business, but Russ they just can't does ha- not play defense, too. They, so they also don't get they got handled by the Hornets. I mean, that's not a good Hornet team. And they just got worked by them on their home floor. They are a very Jekyll and Hyde team. When the, yep. when shit is working, it's beautiful. But when it's not, it's just so... Fuck, what's the word? There's no spacing whatsoever. So It's a clusterfuck. It's a clusterfuck. I mean, Dougie... Like, that trade for Dougie McBuckets is like... That's the one shooter on that team that actually has a reputation of being able to shoot. And you look at the schedules, you look at the standings... I kind of did the math. If the Nuggets lose two more games, that's 42 losses. That means Portland would have to lose four more times in their last five. I probably don't see that happening. I could see Portland losing three, not four. So if you're watching the playoffs, you really just need to look at the the games Denver's playing and look at the amount of losses. Now, if Denver just loses once more along the way, then Portland's going to be pressured to go 500 plus 500 they got to go three and two um again if you're a blazer fan which you are you're listening to this podcast you're you have one more road game that's the jazz you can probably chalk that up as a loss we will talk about the upcoming games later on um in this episode but you've got four straight home games if you're serious about making the playoffs with or without Nurkic, this is on you you have conference foes in some cases divisional foes coming to your gym, which you have been protecting lately, and you've got something that the Denver Nuggets are chasing, and you've, you've even got the tiebreaker. If you don't make the playoffs, let's not chalk it up to Nurkic. Let's just chalk it up to us not getting it done because there's, realistically, there's no reason Portland should not make the playoffs given the, the schedule, given the tiebreaker, given all factors considered. Would you agree? 
<sighs> it. I I think that if we don't make it, it really is on us. But it, it's tough just because of how limited our post depth is and the teams we're playing. But I, I think we need to handle biz. If, if if we're trying to take that step forward, we need to handle business. I mean, yeah, we're only asking for two, three wins. We're not asking you a five and zero, four and one. No, but I mean, so but it will if, get if you're a Blazers if, fan, are you rooting for New Orleans to beat Denver tomorrow, Tuesday? Personally, as a Blazer fan, I was I was rooting for Denver to beat Miami. I, once I heard the Nurkic news, if he wasn't going to make the playoffs, I, I'm not too stoked about making the playoffs. Um, that was uh, even with, and I've heard the argument. Okay, so if we have Nurkic, we lose in five instead of four. To me, that's not what the playoffs are about this year. It's actually getting experience as a cohesive unit with mm, that God, young God, starting front line. Of Harkless, Vonley, and, and Nurkic, you know, 24, 22, 21 years old. And then you've got Damon CJ. So you're getting that continuity, like you said, and you're playing probably against the best team in the world for four or five games. Playing without Nurkic does accomplishes nothing. Yeah. I mean, the only thing it accomplishes is Vonley gets a little bit more rep. Mm-hmm. That's that that's it. And it I guess the draft pick has a, a little value uh, to me. I guess you'd move up right now where we were at 17. We're at 16 now after the loss. We'd probably go to 13 or 14. Yes, it would be nice to move up a bit, but I think it's even beyond the draft pick this year. Once we got Nurkic and he started playing well, that was the ultimate game changer. It To me, the playoffs are about seeing what he can do on a big stage against you know, real good defenders, amazing guards, and just a very well-oiled machine. I mean, that te- that team, even without KD, was slow to start, but now they're they're, they're looking like last year's team. Mm-hmm. And it would be really great to get that first-hand experience. You I mean to to be the best? What do you have to do? You got to beat the best. So and, for, for for Blazer fans that are hoping for the playoffs, it's in those two games where Denver and New Orleans play. It's New Orleans, right? That that Rip City should be rooting for because it's. I mean, I think you for a split. And then that just fucks up New Orleans because they need the wins. They need those two exactly. wins. Exactly. It makes New Orleans irrelevant and then you get you get at least one loss from Denver and Denver possibly loses elsewhere, whether it's at Houston or at Oklahoma City or or at Dallas. I mean, there's plenty of road opportunities for Denver to lose. So I think if you really want the playoffs, you root for that split, automatically takes out New Orleans, and then Denver still has multiple chances. Uh, but what are your thoughts, H? Um do, were you stoked about the playoffs with the way Nurkic was playing? How are you feeling now that he he might oh, be out? Now, now I don't I don't care. I just I'm just enjoying the last five six games of Blazers basketball. I I I prefer them not to make the playoffs because of I mean the things you mentioned, and I'd rather not watch the team I root for suck ass. But I don't care. It's whatever. I'm I'm enjoying the ride. Either way, it's going to be fun. Do you think Nurkic returns to the playoffs? If he's 100% healthy? But do you know? No. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. No. Okay. I don't think there's a reason to. Unless he's... Well, if he's he's 100%, you play him. I mean, if that's just the nature of the injury, I I agree with you. I don't think he will be 100%. I think it's an injury that takes probably more closer to a month to fully heal. Though the examples you looked at, though those players aren't carrying three hundred pounds. No, and I think that's one thing that Nurkic could look at in the offseason is probably trimming down ten to fifteen pounds, getting lighter on those feet, lighter on those joints. Um that's a lot of weight to carry. It, it to me it's really beyond belief that Shaq really went injury free for the bulk of his career. Yeah. So I mean, that's just, that doesn't happen. That That's not the norm. That's definitely the exception. So, you know, you look at Nurkic going into the season, slim down a bit, get a little more quicker, a little more nimble, patience in the post, work on those free throws, work on your, your low post game, and just work on, you know, catching the ball down there. So just the fundamentals. I mean, again, he'd be a senior in college right now. So we're really pretty much nitpicking um, a player who's putting up almost, what, 16 and 11 in a Blazer uniform, leading us to the best record. 
uh, in the NBA during the month of March. So while it sucks now, hopefully it is not a lingering injury. Hopefully it is just a one-time deal, and we can get this show on the road back back know, in October. Do you know the exact play that the break happened, the fracture happened? I've just heard it was in the Denver game. Crazy. So he was, yeah, just, I mean, he was just playing on pure hatred. and <laughs> I mean, He was just... He was balling beast. out. He was beast mode. Yeah. He was beast mode. Um, there's no doubt about it, but it it was great to see how he matched up against a a small ball team. I didn't I didn't see any deficiencies out there that would kind of scare me or deter me from putting him out there again. No, I think he'll be he's a finishing five regardless, but I I would prefer him to be a little leaner. Um, can we stop? I I think small ball actually has a bad connotation. A bad meaning now? Can we just call Connotation? it... Thank you so much. I had so much trouble with that. Can we call it skill ball? Alright, well, you know, I'll propose that it, I'm calling it skill ball from now on. You, okay. Everybody else can do whatever they want. Say oh, it's, it's skill ball in my eyes. It's still small ball. Like, you're still going small. It doesn't mean... I mean, I think it's on the teams that go small to change that connotation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but, well, I mean one team won a championship doing skill ball. They played small ball. Yeah, they won a title. Ball. <laughs> I think now is a, a great time to take a, a quick commercial break, courtesy of our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by LootCrate.com. Save 10% on any new subscription at www.trylootcrate.com slash holybackboard. Enter promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. For you, the listeners of the Holy Backboard Podcast, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Enter promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% saving. Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate that delivers the best in geek and gamer gear. From collectibles, apparel, tech gadgets, art, and other epic gear. It's like Comic-Con in a box. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items. For less than $20 a month, you get 6 to 8 items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. By supporting Loot Crate, you support our podcast, Holy Backboard. Sign up at www.trylootcrate.com slash holybackboard and enter the code RIDGE10 to save 10% on any new subscription. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 73rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. Uh, Sage and Dustin here. We are going to dig into uh, the next three games of the rest of the regular season. Um, two opponents, both very familiar with the Trailblazers. Uh, they kick it off Tuesday, um, April 4th, their last road game of the season against the Utah Jazz. They play Thursday, April 6th at home on TNT against Minnesota Timberwolves, a team they just saw this past Monday. And then they wrap up the week against another familiar face, the Utah Jazz at home for the fourth and final meeting against the division rival Sage. Three divisional games, two two at home, one on the road. How many does Portland have to win to, to really feel comfortable about the eighth seed? Because I'm, I'm thinking they win one, but I think you should really. They, I think the game in Salt Lake is gonna be a L. So I think the the Utah game at home is the must win of them all. But I not mean they, not the Minnesota game. I think they just have to handle biz there. But the Jazz game is what I'm really worried about. I think one and two will do the Blazers justice this week, and. If Portland goes one and two, that puts them thirty-nine and forty-one. Denver's next three games at New Orleans, at Houston, versus New Orleans. I think if they're lucky, and I mean very fortunate, they go two and one. So that puts Denver then, say, at thirty-eight and forty-one. So we still have a game and a half de facto lead. And that's only with, with two games left. I really like Portland's chances against the Spurs and or the Pelicans. I just am not certain 
the Pelicans are going to chance AD or Boogie getting getting injured. And the Spurs, probably the same. They have that second seed wrapped up by then. And I think it's only going to take two more wins this season for Portland to clinch. I think they'll probably do it, like you said, against Minnesota. And I like their chances against the Spurs or Pelicans. It's going to take... It's going to be a lot closer call than we all anticipated. Um, obviously, with Nurt going down, that changed a lot. But that that schedule the Denver Nuggets have is no joke. And they're playing right now without Plumlee, without Jameer Nelson, without Will Barton. They did that. But yes, they got away with it and beat the uh, Miami Heat in, in Miami. Emmanuel Moutier, Emmanuel Moutier excuse me, actually had a really nice game after having racked up a ton of you know DNPs. But I don't know if that's sustainable. Again, another thing playing in Portland's favor, we only have five games left. Denver has six. Uh, Denver has four of their six on the road. Portland has one of their five at home. Um, I I think it's going to take two wins, maybe three to be comfortable. But again, let's start with that Utah game. Sage, the Blazers and Jazz, they split. They're one and one on the year. First game of the season. Can't really look back at it. No Nurkic. There's also no Hayward and no Favors. And Alec Burks um, for the Jazz. Second game of the year. That was the first game Nurkic played. It was also the, the last game before the All-Star break. So minds were probably wandering. Wanting just to get the first half of the season over with. Getting Nurk kind of uh, into the system. Accompanying him um, into Terry Stotts' offense. And learning all the defensive the schemes and schematics uh, of the Trailblazers flow. And... If I remember correctly, that game was actually really close going into halftime. It was just a third quarter jazz run that kind of put that thing away. Um, Utah is fighting for their home court lives, as as we mentioned. They are currently holding the fourth spot. They are at 47 and 30. And remember, this year, the division champion does not guarantee home court advantage in the first round, regardless of record. So they are only a half game ahead of the Los Angeles Clippers. And surprisingly... They're, they haven't been super dominant at home. They're 26 and 12, which is a pretty solid record. But when I think of the Jazz, like the Jazz and the Warriors and the Blazers, those were just arenas you did not want to go into. You were not going to come out with a victory, especially on the West Coast, especially East Coast teams on that West Coast road trip. I'm thinking it's going to be a tall task, um, especially coming off of the second night of a back to back. I know Portland has actually played pretty well. After uh, the first night of back-to-back, they, they came back and played with some fire. Uh, the biggest, I would say the most recent example was that, that road trip where we went 4-1 and one and we had lost to the Pelicans by 23. We came back and beat the Spurs by 4, 110-106 back on uh, March 15th. But it's just so different without Nurkic. Uh, who is going to guard Gobert? No one. Uh, we just don't have I mean, bodies. If you're Utah, why don't you just throw it to him every time and just let him turn and toss it up? Yeah, I think it's going to be pick and rolls and rim runs. That's that's all they need to do. Get Myers into foul trouble. And it's just Noah Vonley and Alfarouk playing the five. And I, I'm betting on Rudy Gobert. He's got the athleticism like only one or two bigs have. Abuse us with the Gobert. I'm with you as well. I, I don't see any way Portland gets a victory unless Damon CJ light up their backcourt and we somehow get Gobert into foul trouble. But you're not going to get Gobert into foul trouble on any pick-and-roll scenarios with Myers Leonard. Um, the one way is if Myers does get hot, he's going to have to shoot his shot from the beginning, and he's going to have to keep Gobert out of the paint. That's the only way to do it. So Myers is going to have to have a really big night, and then I think you're going to need to see uh, Mo Harkless continue to play the defense that he did on James Harden against Gordon Hayward. Hopefully he can quiet him and then you get just you win the bench battle. So you're really looking to tick off a lot of check marks to get a victory in Utah. I unfortunately don't see it happening. I think the Jazz could eventually run away with this one, end up winning by 10 or 12. Um, would have loved to seen this Gobert Nurkic matchup. Yeah, the, the the part two of their uh of of the of their matchup. I mean, if 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 Nurk was playing, that trilogy would be freaking awesome to see. So I I also don't see us winning a game, uh, winning this game or either game against Utah. I just don't think we have the the horses. I don't think we have the depth 
post-wise. I mean, it it comes down to that. We don't have the guys. No, I mean, we might as well talk about that second Utah game as well. Um, There's not much is going to be changed other than venue, which in this series traditionally has carried a lot of weight. I do think the game in Portland will be much closer just because of the venue. I think our our guys, especially our younger guys, uh, bench guys, our role players, they play much better at home. I think the crowd will be fired up. It'll be the last Saturday night game of the, the regular season. And I think it'll be much closer. But the Jazz, it's tough for Portland because they're playing for so much right now. They need that home court advantage against the Clippers. That that's a team that could probably win or lose a series based upon having that that game seven in in Salt Lake City. I want to say the Blazers win, but I yeah, and it sucks, and I and I hate predicting that, but we literally have no big Sage. I mean, we're we're looking at it, it would it's bad enough that Aminu is going to be guarding Derek Favors and stretches. But the kicker is we have nobody on Gobert. If they were smart, they would just, like you said, rim run, rim run, throw him lobs, uh, just get it to him down low. And try one, if he, if he gets Myers in foul trouble, we're fucked. I know people are giving Myers a hard time, but he's still a seven foot big. And if he doesn't play 30 plus minutes, I, I don't, it, it could get ugly. We, we literally need the big body of Myers Leonard. Uh, nothing else considered. You know, not talking about his threes or, re- or rebounding. We need his big body up against Gobert. Just to take uh, up space. I mean, but it was, Myers needs to step up exactly. every game for the next, th- this entire regular season. Myers has to be a factor. And that's not normally his deal. He might go off one game out of five, but we need him to go five out of five good games. If he doesn't, I don't see us beating the, if Myers doesn't play a bigger factor against the Tumblewolves, we aren't we're not gonna beat them because we just don't have the bigs to go against their bigs. I mean they got Cat, they got Gorgi Deng, they got uh shit, the guy from Minnesota. Cole Aldrich. Cole Aldrich. It, it, we are playing against teams with a plethora of bigs. And the game the last game of the season, it's like the best core in history. So Myers has to be there. I don't really care if he's producing, but it's just he has to be battling every game. So this is, this is a lot on his shoulders. Even if he doesn't have a good game, statistically, he just has to gobble minutes. And we, I mean, there is no help coming. We can't get an emergency player because we only have three players hurt, and you need four, and they need to be out for two weeks straight. That we just there's not enough time, and there's not enough injured players for us to get a fourth. So this is what this is the team that we are going to the playoffs with, and. Myers has to step up and just gobble minutes. So obviously we just got done playing the Timberwolves. Portland was in command of that game. They led by 12 in the third quarter. Looked like they were going to stroll to victory. Obviously we saw the size disparity really crush Portland's spirits in that third quarter as they couldn't get a rebound. They had no answer for Towns. They were fouling. They got into the penalty early and often, and Minnesota really took advantage of it. They didn't bail Portland out by shooting a bunch of jump shots. They actually played like a savvy team instead of a young, inexperienced team that they are. I think a lot of that had to do with the venue. We spoke about that. Young players, role players play much better and more comfortable in their home gym. Uh, Portland, I think the fans are going to realize this one is a big deal. It's going to be on TNT again. Maybe they break out the Rip City jerseys once more, which I believe they are undefeated in this season. Regardless of the size disparity, regardless of how well Towns played, I don't think you can count on Wiggins having that same night that he had. He's, He's too Rudy Gay for me. I think he's a little uh, feast or famine right now. I, I'm not certain... The Timberwolves can expect that same type of performance. I also don't think that Dame and CJ are going to shoot what was it, 17 of 36? I mean, if you were the Timberwolves, you'd slow it down and just grit and grind for that victory. I mean, they don't need another young guard or another young player. So, I mean, I think the victories that Cat and Wiggins and Rubio can have together are going to be worth it. 
So if you were the if you were Thibodeau, would you just make it as dirty as humanly possible? Cut down the possessions. I would run. I would, I would do what they did. They 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 attacked. They picked their spots when they wanted to run, but they just really attacked. Um, they didn't milk the clock. They didn't you know go to four corners. They they didn't try. I don't think they tried to dirty it up. They just played their basketball. They they saw a direct mismatch and they attacked it. And I stand corrected. Damon CJ shot worse than than I anticipated. It was actually twelve of of thirty five. I one I don't think Damon CJ are going to shoot that poorly. And I just don't see Wiggins putting up 29 points. I know he took 24 shots to get there, but he had a couple of big buckets um, down the stretch. So I think if, if you're Portland, you just have to figure out a way to play better defense against Towns. Um, if that's double teaming him, so be it. Let's let's maybe see if Ricky Rubio or Brandon Rush want to hit threes. They might. They're very capable of doing it, but he, yeah, he Ricky just, just if go you're for 30 like a week ago. He might have. I mean, it was strange to see that he didn't attempt a single three-point shot, but he had 16 dimes. Um, he was running the show. So I would, if I was Portland, I might switch it up. I might put a guy like Harkless on Wiggins, um, and then move. I mean, if Aminu gets in the game, it's tough. I would love to put Aminu on on Rubio, but then Aminu is probably going to need to play Towns. Yeah, maybe we, Evan Turner we, we when just he gets don't in have there. The, the resources to do anything like. Super tricky, just, but I would hide. I'm not a, yep. I would hide one of our guard. Like when they stagger Dame and CJ, I would hide whoever the the, the, on Brandon the Rush. Yep, whoever the playmaker is, hide them on Brandon Rush because if Brandon Rush beats us, well, so tip your tip your hat and you know hope for ping pong balls because putting having Brandon Rush try and win games is really. I mean, that's a win for the Blazers, even if. He gets hot. I mean, I'd rather have Brandon Rush shoot shots than Carl Anthony Towns or Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, I, I think the Blazers will find a way to to pull this game out. I think they know their playoff lives are at stake. They can they cannot suffer an zero and three week. Um, the Jazz are going to be, I think, a little too tough to handle without Nurkic, and I think the Wolves game is going to be tougher than than expected too. Um, I still fully anticipated us as beating Minnesota with or without Nurkic. We looked well on our way. I just think we need to stay out of foul trouble. If it means we give up a couple easy back- baskets to Towns, so be it. Let's just not let them live at the line uh, like they did. They, I mean, they got to the line 28 times. And at, at one time, I think they had like a, a 26 to, to 15 advantage um, at the charity stripe. Portland with the lack of bodies they have, they cannot allow that to happen. They need to have more of a free flowing game, keep guys out of foul trouble. And like you said, let's make other people beat us this one time. I know we did that with the Sacramento Kings earlier this year. We said DeMarcus cousins, he can't beat us by himself. Well, he, he did. He had 55 points and that win would look really great on our, on our resume right about this time. Um, so if he starts going, you've got to send the double for multiple ways. I know he is a fantastic passer for, um, his age and he's able to see the floor. He's got massive paws. He can palm the basketball just like Nurkic and he can just, you know, dupe, dupe, drop, drop. However he wants it. He can just, you know, position that basketball um, kind of on a string. So it's going to be up to Terry Stotts to really brew up something different for the, this Wolves team because giving up 110 points to this team that that's that's the old blazers that's the blazers from the first half of the season that's the blazers that were you know 24 and 35 and destined for for a lottery pick so um we got to see something different from stats just more efficiency from from damon cj i thought we really really relied on that three-point shot in, in the game uh this evening in minnesota it felt like we were trying to felt like Minnesota was making a run and we were down two or three points. We were trying to get it all back at once. We were trying to get that lead back. We were trying to, you know, cut into it and we would pull for a quick three. You know, Damon CJ are so crafty around the basket. Let's let's try to get to the hoop. Let's try to get more free throws. I mean, the refs were giving us, you know, they were giving it to us. We had 17 free throw attempts combined between Damon CJ. Let's keep going back there. Um, you know, some nights that three isn't dropping and I know they're two of the best shooters that the game has. But maybe let's work a play where Harkless is cutting to the basket. Let's give Von Lee a couple touches. Um, 
Just easy baskets, man. It's because just easy baskets. We don't always have to shoot so fucking far away from the hoop. And, you know, I, I watched the Ducks do that against the Tar Heels. Every time they they were they got a stop and they tried to cut back in the lead, they would just jack up a three. Yeah, it's great when it works, but that's the reason you get three points for it because you're so far away. Mm-hmm. Like, let's work, work, the, work the mid-range. I know, I know it's a lost start. I know the Houston Rockets absolutely hate it, but it, it's still two points. Yeah, I mean, like, the one thing I loved about Nurk was he was getting Kobe assists. He was getting these easy baskets. A thing that we just needed for so long was someone to be able to get these easy baskets, get the, bit of the, of the opposing bigs into foul trouble. We just didn't have it with Mace, and we don't have it now. So if we can just manufacture those easy baskets, it's going to be huge, and especially since we got to win at least two games in the next five, three if we want to feel more comfortable. We have to manufacture easy baskets. So I think we're both looking at a a one and two week. Um, then we've we've just got two games left, and then we'll be hopefully talking about the playoffs on our, our playoff podcast. We'll do a similar format as we did last year, where we do uh, an overview of the series, but then a breakdown in the episode after every game. You know, bring in some guests. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, um, subscribe to our podcast, give us that five-star review on iTunes. It's Holy Backboard. Um, we're also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play at Holy Backboard PDX. And we're on social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Holy Backboard. Sage, any final words, my friend? Uh, rate and review us. I mean, shout out to Evan M for actually winning the tournament, even though he watches no college basketball. He won the tournament over. Dustin, I, my mom, Dustin's wife. It the fact that he had his name Evanem sucks, and he happened to win this thing. It's kind of embarrassing on us. But shout out to him. He, he's one of the best sponsors. And shout out to Kratos who's had a birthday today. Yeah, shout out to Kratos for the for the birthday, the birthday boy. You know, Evan. You don't win anything. You just get to save yourself four dollars on shipping. So uh, take the take the small wins where you can. And um, you know that's that's my final. You know I don't know if I have much left. It's uh it's about eleven twenty seven on a Monday night. Um, our typical recording time. Just praying for the best that 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 Nurkic. It, it's a it's a short term injury and looking forward to the fall. You know, looking forward to seeing what this team can do because that's really exciting. Uh, the, the, the end of the year might not end how we want, but we're Blazer fans. We're used to always thinking about next year. So this time around is no different. Let's go!